0: The greatest coaches of time, and the reality is many of these coaches carry principles that you may or may not know, but many of them carry principles that are that line up with the Word of God. There's some coaches out there, and I won't go through naming them, but they try their best to glean from the principles of the Word. The greatest leadership book ever written is the Bible. It's the greatest um, book on management. You would talk to somebody about how to manage people you talk to paul paul can go in there and tell you you know it's not always easy he had churches that he had established and he left and all of a sudden these churches were you know doing some crazy stuff i started to list out some of the stuff and i backed off at the end because they're doing some things that would make you scratch your head you'd wonder what in the world but paul had to manage them he had to let them know that you know what it's, it's I, I'm still going to love you. He didn't abandon them. He didn't say you're done. He didn't pull the carpet out of them. No, he said, I'm going to give you a chance and I'm going to love you. And so we can find throughout the word of God that there's many things that you and I can glean from in any area of life, no matter what we're doing, no matter where we are, no matter how it goes. But in coaching, and, and I've done a little bit of coaching, uh, but I, I've, I've gotten to be around some coaches. I've gotten to spend some time with some coaches. I once Went to the U of A for a special event and got to listen to a few coaches speak and got to meet them and ask a few questions, and so it was kind of neat to get to sit in that room, and I realized when they began to talk about people that were donating money that I was the brokest person in the room by far, and they kind of passed these cards out and said, what would you like to donate? And I was like, well, is $10, is that good? Okay, I'll donate 10 When I said 10 they thought I was meaning like 10000 but I was like, no, no, that's actually just... Just ten, and so have a good day. And then weirdly, they escorted me out of the room. But um, just joking about the last part. But uh, the the greatest coaches, the greatest coaches, oftentimes are those that understand the power of, and here's a big word: adjustments. Oftentimes, halftime adjustments, because whether you know it or not, every every pre-game has a plan. They come out with a plan, and they'll say, here's the thing we're going to do. We're going to focus on this area, and no matter where you're at in any area of the sporting world, there's always a game plan that you walk into the game with. However, you don't know what the other team might have. You don't know if the other team also had a game plan that's different than what they've had, and so you try to prepare, but there's moments where a team will say, you know what? We've totally changed everything, and they throw them off guard, and yet there are, walk, there are times when you walk in to the locker room, just speaking from recent days, the Detroit Lions, who is, they've not yet seen a Super Bowl. They were down to the 49ers, but everyone thought the game was over. However, they come back out in the second half, and there was a halftime adjustment that took place. And the halftime adjustment took place, and it gave the 49ers a chance now to overtake the Lions and have one of the greatest comebacks in recent playoff history and this is what I want you to focus on right now yes there was probably a moment where some of the players even some of the coaches began to think it's over it is what it is we've gone this far and there's no hope now no matter who your team is you can appreciate the idea of a, a, a moment that is like this where some would say there's no chance and the others begin to say now we've got it in in grasp it is ours to only have I can taste I can taste the victory I can see it coming let me tell you whether whether um, you're on the winning side at halftime or or the losing side at halftime there is an importance for you and I to understand that we must continue to fight or I could say play the game but let me tell you no matter what you're looking at right now you've got to say I cannot if I'm winning right now I cannot let down on my principles if I'm seeing success in my life right now I cannot let down on my disciplines I must always be aware of the snares of the enemy and know that there's always a chance the enemy is going to come at me. The enemy is going to deal me a blow. And so I cannot let down. I've got to be sober. I've got to be vigilant because I've got to know that my enemy is like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Of I oftentimes stop right there just a moment because I want you to realize. That word may is a big word in the topic or the context of this text because that word may is simply somebody who gives permission to. What I mean by that is you might say, you know what, I'm, I'm giving permission, or you may say, you know, what? I'm giving permission by being indifferent to the reality of what I'm dealing with. In other words, I'm giving permission to my car to be broken down because I'm not changing its oil. I'm giving permission to situations. I saw one mama pat somebody on the shoulder just now. I won't talk about it anymore. But I, I'm giving permission to this or that by not acknowledging the reality of it in front of me. And so when you say well he's like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he made devour," What I'm telling you is, is don't forget that you've got to be sober. You've got to be vigilant. You've got to always be aware of your surroundings. you got to know that it might be funny, but is it good for you to partake of? It might be humorous, but is it good for you to sit down every night and adapt this And It might not seem like a lot. It might not seem too heavy, but is it okay for my kids to peruse through YouTube and not know what's suggested to them and not know what's shaping their minds? Let me tell you, mom and dad, be sober and be vigilant and know what's around you at all times. And so if you're on the winning side, you've got to know that I've got to be aware. We've got to keep up the work. We've got to stay ready. We've got to do our best. But if you find yourself and you say, man, I've taken some, some shots and I've, I've gone through some things and I've, I'm, I'm facing some stuff and life has not been easy. Let me tell you the power of halftime adjustments. There's a power that comes in a moment when you say that I've looked at how I've been living. I'm looking at how I'm doing this. I, I looked at what was maybe the priorities that I had in my life. I've looked at what my choices were or my relationships were or how I've lived as a witness. If we can piggyback the better series that we got through with a few weeks ago. I've looked at this and something's not right. There's a moment in your life where you say, well, I'm used to doing it this way. And well, it's just the way I've always done it. Let me tell you there's something strong and there's a power in looking down and sitting down and saying you know what if this isn't working, then maybe I should try this. And if, if that's not working, then maybe I should try this. And if this isn't going the way it should be going, maybe I should try this. And maybe if I've worried a lot, maybe I should switch it and I should pray a lot. And maybe if I've, if I've done it on my own, then maybe I should trust a little bit more and I should lean into people around me and know that I have a community, a church full of people that I can lean on and I can say, I need help and I need you to walk with me and I need you to be there for me. There's a power in halftime adjustments that you and I must, must be aware but what I would tell you at any point in any time that you also must be aware of any momentum shift in your life. A moment where you sense a change obviously in this a a day like today and I felt I've read a little bit uh, this week and I I found myself reading about Samson but Samson was a man that had superior strength because of the vow that he had taken in his life and he could not touch strong drink he could not cut his hair and 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 the, the main understanding of this vow took him into this place where he knew that my strength comes from not just what I'm, I, I am, but what I don't touch, and the things that I don't partake of, and the things that I don't have. But Samson found himself longing and Lazar- uh, 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 desiring this woman that was not not the uh, a woman that he should uh, desire. The the woman the Bible says was was Delilah, and and she comes and 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 she speaks, before him, and she's asking him why he's so powerful, why he's so strong. And obviously, many of us know the story. If you don't know the story, he finds himself, and, and I've, I've said this before, and I always think, think about it. I had an old tape that I wish I still had, I'm sure I could find it somewhere, but my grandfather would say it this way that Samson was getting a haircut in the devil's barbershop. He was driven there by temptation, doing the things that he shouldn't do, and Delilah was now linking up in these. People were coming and longing to find out what it was. Delilah said, please tell me where your great strength lies with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings yet, not yet dry, then I shall become weak. He's trying to say that that the antidote to my strength are these things. And the lords of the Philistines brought her up seven fresh bowstrings. and, And he wakes up and he breaks them. Delilah said to Samson, look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me. What you may be bound with. And he says, If they bind me with, uh, securely with new ropes and, and have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like every other man. And Delilah now takes these new ropes. Here's my question for Samson I know you're strong, but how ignorant can you be? I'll tell you real fast, young men. Sometimes you've got to wake up and realize that you can't fall in the same trap over and over and over again. And that's not an attack on women. That's an attack on women that are trying to bind you up over and over again. Is that all right? Don't be foolish, Samson. And she comes and does the very thing. And and and, and the Bible says, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And then they were uh, uh, they lying in weight, and, and he broke them off in his arms like a thread, the Bible says. Elijah said to Samson, until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what may be uh, what you may be bound with. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks on my head, now notice something that's really important here. He started off a distant There was distance to where the reality was. But notice this one. This is what always gets me is that as as this goes on and on, he does not tell her the key, but he gets closer to where it's at. He starts finding himself closer to it. Why is that? Because the longer you stay around it, the closer you'll get to it. The more you're around it, the closer it'll be. The more you're around it, the more you'll give. The closer you are, the more you give into it. And he said, if you weave my seven locks of my head into a web uh, of the loom, and she, she wove it tightly with the, the, the batten of the loom and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and pulled out the batten and the web from the, uh, from, the, uh, from the loom. Then she said to him, how can you say you love me? Here it is. How can you say you love me that you don't do these things? You don't love me. You don't love me. Well, the question is, and the, the reality is that you don't love him, Delilah. So the, we got a we got a whole lot of not love going on. What is the reason for the attraction? Well, there you go. And then she said to him, How can you say, I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pressed her to him. Daily, daily she kept on and pressed him. His soul was vexed to death and I'll let you interpret that however you want. Then he told her with all his heart said to her, no razor. He was frustrated. He got tired of her asking. He got worn down with her talking about it. He got exhausted with it. You see she came with a game plan of being persistent. And his plan was that it's not going to get that far. It's not going to get to that place. His plan was, I'm so strong that I can resist these things. There's not a chance it's going to happen. But her game plan was that I'll move him and I'll tell him he doesn't love me and I'll tell him he's doing me wrong and I'll tell him I'll bet my eyes and I'll lean in and then I'll tell him you don't love me and I'll work on his emotions and I'll work on who he is to the core and try my best and finally out of frustration one day he wasn't ready for what she was offering what she said to him was simply I cannot believe you're not going to do this and he says if you place a razor upon my head he said, I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me. If I shall become weak like and be like any other man. The strength will be gone. Everything I possess that separates me will be gone. Everything I am is tied up in this identity that I have. And he gives her the secret to it. He Gives it to her. He, gives her, he finally gives in. And let me say, we are tough. We are difficult sometimes in dealing with Samson when we do the same things. We do the same stuff. We dance around the same things. We. We, oh, no, 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 I'm not, I can't, I, I don't want it. And then we, we, we stay close enough, and and we feel as if our proximity is good enough, but yet we we, we sometimes, we are there, we're dealing with it, and we struggle, and all of a sudden in a weak day, in a weak moment, there could have been a day when he was tired, it could have been a day when he had a 101 temperature, and he was worn down, and he just wanted soup. And she said, if you t- there, there's things we don't know about the text, but the reality is, is finally he gives her the exact reason why he had strength in his body. So we find here, we find it when Delilah saw that he had told her with all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me, told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand, and she lulled him to sleep with her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the locks of his head. He gave finally, gave the, the, the final answer that he could give in the moment. Gave her what she was looking for. The Bible says, Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And this time, the Bible says, He awoke. He awoke. And he, he, when he comes up, he he, he he wakes up just like he did before. He wakes up desiring to rip things off of him as he did before. He wakes up with the same desire to overcome as he has before and but the Bible simply, here he is. I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the, the, the Lord, the, the power, the strength had departed from him. And then the Philistines took him and put his eyes out and brought him down to Gaza. And they bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. This man that is such, of such great stature, this man that was such an icon for the power and the strength because of what he was and because of what he had produced. or or, or not had in his life. Here this man was, and now he's given to it, and he was not expecting it to go this way. And just imagine with me, Samson now grinding at the mill as he's pushing, he's pushing, and he's pushing, he's working himself to death. His eyesight is gone. He's got nothing he cannot see. He's now relegated to a, a shell of the man that he was before. But here's the thing I want you to get. I want you to hear this today, and I'm trying my best to speak it clearly in verse 22 of chapter 16 it comes to this place that says however however the hair of his head began to grow again it began to grow again after it had been shaven what I want you to hear today what I want you to hear me speak to you today is that I don't know how and I don't know what and I don't know what it was that took you to that place I don't know what it was that you finally gave into, and I I don't know what it was that you've carried all these years with you and I don't know what it is that makes you feel broken and makes you feel insignificant but what I've come to tell you is if you've given the enemy the enemy the answer to your strength and you found yourself now bound up by the enemy and you find yourself not what you used to be but yet you now realize something something that's very important you now realize that what the enemy took from me is now Growing back. What the enemy stole from me is now coming back. What, what happened to me is not forever in me. You see, Samson teaches us a valuable lesson that just because you fall does not mean you're falling. Just because you make a mistake does not mean you're forever gone. It's important for you and I to know that it's going to grow back, that it's, there's going to be another chance, that you've got another opportunity, that it's not over unless you say it's over. But you've got to find in your soul and in your spirit that you can get back up again. I'm just coming with a very simple message today. Why? Because we're people just like anybody else. We're people that serve the Lord. We're people that love people. We're people that that give in the offerings and we're people that do our best to be here when the church doors are open. Some of you were here last last week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We, We like to go to the house of the Lord. However, we also know that there's an enemy that likes to try its best to tear us down, likes to discourage us, likes to pull us into a place where we say, how did I get here? And I've come simply to tell you this, no matter what it is, don't don't beat yourself up. No matter what it is, don't count yourself out. No matter what it is, don't throw in the towel. No matter what it is, no matter what you've lost, as you now find yourself in a place where questions are there and, and memory of what you used to be is there. I just wish for Moment, you'd say and believe in your heart and in your spirit that it was gone, but now I feel it coming back. It was gone, but what is that I find on my head? I find that it's growing again. It's growing again. There's a sweet lady that's been coming to this church. I won't call her name, but she sat down with me about four weeks ago, and I'm hurrying to a close. I won't be long. But she said, "I wanna, I wanna get, I wanna get fully in this church." She said, "I came through life, and life threw me a curve, and I seemed to go through some heartaches, and I've gone through depression, and I've gone through some stuff. But I want God to move in my life." And I told her, "Listen, I want you to know one thing: that all that matters is the next step you're taking. All that matters is the next." thing you're doing with your life because you might have fallen and you might have made mistakes but you get up and you worship through this service you get up on Monday and you say God this is your day you get up on Tuesday and you say God I'm giving this day to you and you will see God begin to move in your life the struggle we have in our modern world is we have too many that are glorying in somebody's failure. That's what we have going on. Our culture is that way. That's why, that's why. and I'm going to tell you right now, that's why I began to speak to us a year ago. We're going to celebrate each other. We're going to celebrate victories and wins. Let me tell you what I told somebody else a while back, and I said this respectfully, but don't complain to me unless you tell me something good first. Because I don't hear a lot of the good. I don't hear, man, I'm excited about this and that. I do hear a few of the other things, but let me tell you real fast. Before you say something bad bad to me, tell me something good. Because there's a lot of good. But we're fashioned, and I wish there'd be an amen every once in a while when I say something like that. We're fashioned to look and say, well, this is bad and that's bad. And this one made a mistake, and that made a mistake. And our political enemies, we love to see the bad, the bad, the bad. We love to see at times those that don't think like us the bad. We love to see this, we love to see that. There's Facebook groups that are built and made just to highlight somebody's negativity and the struggles that people have why because we lean into that we lean into the story of of Samson we lean into the story of Ruth and how she made a terrible decision and went on a trip far away from home we lean into the story of Joseph and how he was left and how he was placed there we lean into those stories we lean in when we find that David walked into a valley and there was a giant there we look into the negative side of stories we see these things we lean in also when we think about David leading over a, a railing of a balcony and looking down on Bathsheba and we think oh my goodness how dare him but what I've come today to tell you is every person that I've mentioned so far today we need to lean in we need to glorify the moment that they got back up we need to go back and understand that David at the end of his days he said one thing "Have I, would I rather glory in that I, might, I he said one thing have a desire that I may dwell under the house of the Lord all the days of my life why? because he realized I'm going to fail and I'm going to make mistakes but there's a comeback coming in my life yes I'm a man after God's own heart but there's a comeback coming in my life yes I've made mistakes yes I, 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 I slipped up but God was good to me God was good to me I feel as if I'm a little tongue-tied today, but I feel strongly right now to tell somebody. I want you to hear me right now. I don't care what it is you struggle with, I don't care what it is they said about you, I don't care what it is. They kind you out. I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. I don't care about your Bathsheba moment. I'll be honest with you, I don't care. I don't care about that the moment where you got it all cut off and you messed up. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care because those are the stories that are written here, but when I go farther in the Word of God, they go back and they just list the names. I remember not long ago, I preached a message on righteous Lot, righteous Lot, how dare we say that. The Bible, the Bible gives us that term. The Bible gives us that term of Lot, the man who sired a child with his own daughter, the man who ran away from a city that was full of, of, of all the lust and the sin of the world, the man who had actually placed his family there for a season. You're telling me the Bible calls him righteous lot? Yes, I'm telling you the Bible calls him righteous lot because when he was down, he grabbed a hold of something and he pulled himself up and he said, I may have been down for a moment, but I'm getting back up. I'm getting back up. I'm getting back up. I'm getting back up. And I know we have 65 or 70 people going today, but I wonder if there's anybody in the house that'll say I was down, but I'm getting back up I was dealing with fear but I'm getting back up and I'm gonna see the good things of God in my life it's gonna happen it's gonna happen I believe in my whole heart my whole spirit I don't care I'm I'm telling you right now you might feel wounded and broken let me tell you this is as simple as I can make it you bring what you feel is wounded and broken you bring it to this altar in a moment We're not going to attack you. We're not going to hover over you. We're not going to surround you. But if you feel like you've walked in this place with a little bit of a struggle in your life. And you feel like you've come in, and you're a little tired, you're a little weary, and you feel as if the enemy keeps reminding you that you're grinding at the meal. I wish you'd take your hands off that grinding, that meal, for a moment, and I wish you'd say, just for a moment, let me just see, is it coming back yet? And you'll realize that there is something, because Samson was a spectacle to all the Philistines. Samson was placed up there as a joke to all of them, but he comes to a place where he says, Lord, you used to do it then, and you. can do it now. I I know I messed up and I know I made mistakes but if you'll remember me one more time, if you'll just look down on me one more time what they thought they did, what they thought they did for evil, you're going to turn in to something good. And so Samson took those hands and he placed those hands on those pillars and he began to push with everything he had and just like the days before just like when he was shown before, all of a sudden things begin to break. Things begin to break and all of a sudden the, the, the roof fell down. What I want you to know, what I want you to hear is if you push it'll break. If you will push it's going to snap and all the things you felt like you lost all the things you thought you were never going to be. Again God is going to fulfill He's going to do it They're about to sing right now and I've taken a long time but I'm asking this morning, would you be willing to step back from where you are? And would you take a moment in this service and say, God, I'm asking you to remember me one more time. I ask you to see me one more time. I ask for your strength to set upon me again. I pray, God, in Jesus' name, I'm, all, I'm opening these altars. These altars are open right now. I wish I would not have to ask seven or eight times a day. There's somebody in this house, I believe, that you need to give something to the Lord. You need to give your failure to the Lord. You need to give your shortcomings to the Lord. You need to give your mistakes to the Lord and say, God, I place this in your hands. There's an opportunity today. There's an opportunity for a comeback in your life. There's an opportunity for you to get back up and there's an opportunity for you to feel the victorious power of God. He desires it in your life. but You've got to make the decision today. In Jesus' name. We're about to sing. Would you just close your eyes? Can we worship Him together right now? We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. I, I pray, God, I've help us. I've tried so hard to see Yes, Jesus. Took me so long to believe it that you choose someone name, like me. Yes, Jesus. To carry Your victory in Your name, Jesus. Perfection could never earn it. Come on, let's take it to the Lord right now. You give what we don't deserve. It. You, you take, take the broken taste him to